The year was 1558, an 82-year-old man by the name of Walter Mill. He was weak, he was worn out, and he was frail. He was so frail that he could be hardly heard being spoken. But yet there was this glorious day in Walter's life where he was full of strength and full of joy, as much as he was known at that time for being weak and frail. Strength and joy was what marked him this day as he walked to the place where he would be fastened to a pole and burned alive. This man was weak and frail, full of strength, full of joy as he walked with all vigor towards a pole where he would be fastened and burnt alive. He was put to that place for refusing to stop believing the gospel and to stop serving the gospel of his beloved Savior, Christ Jesus, alone. It's because he believed in Jesus alone that he was fastened to the pole and burned at the stake alive. That day, the people of Edinburgh stood around and watched this worn-out man have enough strength to endure torture with joy. With joy. He said this as the fire was lit at his feet. He said, The cause why I suffer this day is not for any crime, though I acknowledge I myself a miserable sinner, but only for the defense of the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. And I praise God that he has called me by his mercy to seal the truth with my life which I received it from him, so I willingly and joyfully offer it up to his glory. Amazing. I'm going to read that last part again. I praise God, who has called me by his mercy to seal the truth with my life, which, as I received it from him, so I willingly and joyfully offer it up to his glory. Mr. Mill was not the only man who died that day or that time period or in that place. There were many others in the mid-1500s which said, I will not waver on Jesus. So therefore, they were strapped to the pole, burnt alive, hung to death, drowned in a sack with their child. A woman by the name of uh, Stork, um, Helen Stork. She had such a faith that she gave her older children off to a family member and she had her child there who was still nursing. And they said, it's time for you to die. So she goes to hand her child off to the nurse who was nearby and she was doing it with joy and she was dying with joy. And so they said, she has too much joy. Put the baby in the sack and drown them both. But she would not waver on Jesus. She said, this life that I have here is not my own. It was given to me by my creator God, the God who loves me and who died for me, not because of what I've done. So this is a cause worth serving. These people serve. In Walter Mill's case, you hear, even in what he said, you hear that he understands he had a call to serve God. He had strength to serve God and he had a reason to serve God. We will see those things echoed in our Bible passages this morning. If you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, we're going to see what Walter Mill saw. It was a call to serve, the strength to serve, and a reason to serve God. And in the end, you're going to realize that serving God 
is a way you can ascribe worth to God and value to God. And the way we serve God says how much we value God. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read this verse 10 and 11 this morning, focusing on uh, 11. I, I love, actually, I'll read while you're finding verse 10. I'll read verse 1 of chapter 4. Since therefore uh, Christ suffered in the flesh, and out of that. So since therefore, because Christ suffered in the flesh, all that follows is on that basis. Christ suffered in the flesh. He died for sinners who would repent and believe Since, and therefore, Christ suffered, look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is the one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Verse 11 is where we'll look this morning. And it begins by saying, whoever serves. We all serve. The question is, what do we serve and who do we serve? We are all servants. Even if you think, no, I run my own thing. Yes, you serve yourself. We all serve something and someone. So he says, whoever serves, that's you and that's me. He's getting at whoever is serving to a, a, out of a high calling that since Christ suffered and died, if you're going to serve, you're going to serve Jesus or self. Jesus said it in John chapter 12. He said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I, blessings, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Absolutely. Well, he says, if you would follow me, if you would serve me, I will exalt you to a place that is, you're not going to get the pomp of the world. You're going to get a burning on a stake. But you're going to be exalted and honored in the heavenly realms for all of eternity at the right hand of your God. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. That's interesting because it gives us a way in which we're to serve God. It gives us a model in which we're supposed to serve God after. Well, how do I serve? Jesus says, follow me. Walk with me. Serve with me. What I do, you should do. How I care, you should care. Who I look after, you should look after. If anyone would serve me, they would follow me. Follow my example. It's amazing the precedent that Jesus has set for us is a High calling. But when people get this call to serve, if you, you know that you're supposed to serve, imagine the men and women called up for war. Called to serve. What do they do? If it was optional, they got to weigh the pros and the cons. Weigh the, the price of what do they value. What are they willing to sacrifice? What are they willing to do for this call? How high is this calling to them? All the more when God calls us. And God called many, many people as we see the account in the scripture. One that came to my mind right away was Moses. He called Moses. You, Moses, are going to be my spokesman. You're going to lead my people out of this land of slavery. And Moses 
How does he respond with God? Oh, no, 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 no. Not me. I have a stutter. I, I, I don't speak well. I'm not the man you're looking for. Like, I, I murdered a guy. No, not me. God called Moses. He said, yes, Moses, you're going to go. In fear and trembling, he was fearful before God and had this awesome reverence of God. But yet, the calling at first wasn't high enough for him in a sense that he enjoyed his own calling first. Well, I have these things I'm going to hide behind so that I'm comfortable. I'm going to serve my comfort first. And God said, no, you're not. And aren't we glad he did? Moses was one response to God calling him to serve was uh, at first a hesitancy. Uh, I'm going to go with comfort. I'm going to go with what I know. That's where he, that was the first kind of uh, response to God's call. Uh, another example of a call for service was Isaiah. And if you know Isaiah's response, he says, here I am, send me. Here I am. The call was, there is a needy people out there. There's a people that need Jesus. There's a people that need to be forgiven of their sin. They need to know God. They need to be made right with God. And Isaiah doesn't wait. He says, here I am. Send me. I'll go. Because he knew the value of the calling. We all have the calling. If you are called by God to, first off, repent and believe the gospel... We respond one of two ways, either in, in ignorance and deafness and, and, and refusal, and we suppress the truth about God, or we hear the call and it resonates with our heart, and, and we say, yes, Lord, I surrender all. I'll give you my life. And, and out of the, it's amazing. We, we don't do it for the, the ultimate benefit that we get. We do it for his glory. I want to do this because I have been robbing you of what you deserve, my praise, my adoration, I have hated you with my life, and you don't deserve that. You deserve my highest praise. And so he calls us, we repent, believe the gospel, and he says, you're not a solo. You're not a lone ranger. You're called into a family. You're called into this thing that is a body, and the body functions together when those who are called answer the call to serve. In Ephesians chapter 4, when it tells um, that Jesus gave to the church uh, pastors and teachers, and it says, to equip the saints, those who have been called and responded to the gospel of Jesus, equip them for the work or the service of ministry. And what was the goal? The building up of the body of Christ. It says, and from Jesus, the whole body is joined together at every joint with which it is equipped. And each one, when it is working properly, when it is serving as it should, makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up in love. And when the body is the, the, uh, the mechanism by which God spreads the gospel, you want that body to grow. You want it to be able to multiply so its impact can multiply. And so it is a good thing that they would grow in maturity and then grow in numbers. That's the, the whole point of the body of Christ is let's grow one another in love. So that you might be more, more mature. Because the more mature you are, it should be that the more you elevate God above yourself. The, the more you exalt Him and say, I'm going to sacrifice even more because I love God more. So we want to grow each other up in maturity to serve God better. But then we want to, that transforms itself into numerically. Like, okay, great. We have, now I have a hundred people who can go out and tell people of the love of the Savior. So the, the call is there to serve God. 
amongst other people to care for their spiritual good. The question is, do we answer that call or do we show up to serve self? What am I going to get? In today's age, we are so consumeristic, right? We show up to go, well, the movie's going to be good for me. The show is good for me. The music's making me feel good. You don't do what doesn't make you feel good unless you know there's an ultimate benefit like some sort of um, surgery or whatever it might be. We seek what is good and comfortable for us because we're self-serving. So people approach the, the entertainment culture, feed me, fuel me, tickle my ears, make me feel good, pump me up, praise me. That's the world we live in and that's the sinful heart we have. So then many including myself, we take that into a body of people and we say, well, serve me, yeah, make me feel good. Hey, I'm needy. Hey, you, you could encourage me. We do that same thing and everyone does that same thing. They take that into every relationship um, in varying levels. And that's why we want to encourage each other to mature because the more we mature, the less we're going to care what other people think or how they're going to praise us. And so it's a perpetual cycle of maturing and serving one another rather than serving ourselves. It said in verse 10, as each of you has a gift, use it to serve one another. Serve one another. We are to serve whoever serves. We all have a calling to serve. And not just locally, we have the Great Commission as a call. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Go. What is that going to cost you? That's not even a question in the Great Commission. It doesn't say, go if you have the resources or the time or you're comfortable. Go if you're good at learning language. Go if you like Africa. Go if you like uh, Tajikistan. It doesn't put any sort of asterisk. It says, go. So for you, it might be go to your neighbor, and that's a good place to start. For others, it might be go to Papua New Guinea. But we are all called to go, so then how do we respond? Go into all the world, including your neighbors, and make disciples. Do we say, well, I'm just not sure, I'm equipped, and we start looking... Inwardly and itself again. Oftentimes we are answering the call to serve by saying yes to us and no to God. The Great Commission is one great example of that. There's so many ways we are called to serve and can serve in practical and easy ways too. There's this great example of Jesus when he, and at the end, he, the people are there and he's separating the goats and, and the sheep, right? He's saying, These are my people, these are not my people. And he said to them, um, you, you, you get to be in, in my kingdom. And the others, they don't. And they said, well, why not? He says, well, where were you when, um, when I needed a cup of cold water and clothes for my back and food for my stomach? He said, well, yeah, yeah well, where were you, Jesus? Like, that wasn't you. That was just people. Yeah, we didn't serve them. And those who were righteous, those who just followed God, just said, yeah, well, there's a needy person. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to... Um, sacrifice myself for them. So Jesus said that was one of the indications that someone belonged to him. One of the pieces of fruit that someone belonged to him was just evidence that they care for other people above themselves. It was one way, very practical ways, that Jesus said, my people serve me, and that's one way. Some of them go to uh, Indonesia, and some of them go to the shelter, and some of them go to their neighbor who's grieving. But my people go, is Jesus' point. If anyone serves me, Jesus said in John 12, he must follow me. Serving is, is what God has called us to do. So then how do we respond to the call? Mr. Mill heard the call of God. 
And his call was to serve even to death on a burning stake. And he answered that call, not because he had the strength to do it. Not because he was something special. Not because he was unique and said, you know what, I'm strong enough. No, he was an 82-year-old frail man. He was not strong enough to do that. To go and to testify that day to others as there was fire at his feet and say, I praise God. There was fire on his feet. And he was praising God that God would get glory from his life. Not because he was strong. He recognized, even in what he said, he said, um, God has called me by his mercy to seal the truth with my life. My life, which I received from him. Like, all that I have, including my life right now, all that I have, every ounce of strength or, or ability to stand or talk or do anything, all of that is from God's supply. And so therefore, it should be used for God's supply. So here in, our, in verse 11, we see, well, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And God's supply is infinite. There's not a limit to how much God can supply you with, with anything. God will, will name the time you're born, and He'll name the time you die, and, and how weak you will be in the flesh in those days. But God's strength that He supplies is not that you need it to necessarily stand tall and have great big arms. And like, we always say this is a bad example because children just learn about David and Goliath, right? And like, oh, David. It's like, well, the whole point is like, David was so weak. David was insufficient for the task. The only thing that made David strong was he trusted in the big God. It had nothing to do with the stone. It had nothing to do with the slang or his skill or his, his own, yeah, well, he's just dumb because he's walking out to a giant. It had nothing to do with David. The story of David and Goliath is not about David. It's about David's God. The strength that God supplies just allowed that to give a great example of how God uh, accomplishes his purpose. God's storehouse of strength is, is infinite for us. So oftentimes when we will face something that we are called to serve in, we go, I, I can't do that. No, you can't. You're right. That's a great thing to realize, that you cannot do that. Even a simple thing. I, I can't go to my neighbor. That, I don't know what to say. No, you don't. You probably are a fool, and what you're going to say is not going to go over well. But go in the strength that God supplies that's the only way that people are able to get on a plane, leave their family, the comforts of home, and live in a forest. I have friends who live in Amman, Jordan. Jordan, where there's bombs going off down the street every other day. And they're raising their family there. So that Jesus can be heard to their neighbors. So that they might invite all of their Muslim neighbors into their home and say, I love you. And you know I love you. Look where I am living. I'm not just in Canada trying to send you money or trying to broadcast a radio signal. I'm here. I'm enduring the bombings. I'm enduring the secret police knocking at my door every day. I'm enduring jail time. Multiple times my friend has been in jail. So that I can love you and tell you about the Jesus that loves you above all things. He doesn't have the strength to do that. He does it with the strength that God supplies. And so the simple things that we're called to and that we often shirk off because we don't have the strength or ability or time or we don't have the reason to serve, I think, is what maybe is taken away from us. We, we forget the reason to serve. Because we do. If, if we understand and if we see the vision of God that you know, he would like us to serve in, we would have the strength to serve 
says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. I love in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, how much more, this is words very carefully, Hebrews 9, 14 says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, he'll purify our conscience from dead works to, for a reason. So God's not just purifying our conscience. The blood of Jesus is not just like wiping our guilt clean and forgiving us. It does that. But it does it, it says, it clears our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. It's the reason of it. The reason that we are, are, are washed afresh, that we are not burdened down with guilt or with uh, self-serving or with the fear of man. The, the reason God releases us to be like, you are free and you're loved and you're accepted is so that we're not burdened down with all the concerns of this world. And we can say, you can kill me, I don't care. Because we are, we are washed, we are purified from a, a dead works conscience to now serve the living God. People who understand this, people who understand what God has given to them in grace, serve in sacrificial ways. And they say, yes, God. When God says jump, they say, how high? Abraham's a great example. God said, take your son and go. He did. He didn't even know yet where he was going. He just said, let's go, boy. And they had all their men with them. And what's amazing about the story of Abraham and Isaac, if you read it really carefully, they went and they finally got to the mountain where God had called them to go. And Abraham knew what was going on. Right? So they had all this stuff to offer a sacrifice. The branches, the, the knife, they were going to set up an altar. But there was no sacrifice yet. So Abraham knew exactly what was going to happen. He was being called by God to do a hard thing, to sacrifice his own son. At the foot of the mountain, he and Isaac are about to ascend the hill, and he says to the men, you wait here, my son and I are going to worship, and we will return to you. We are going to worship. They are going to serve God in a sacrificial way, we are going to worship up there. So they went, and in faith, if you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, he, he, puts, he puts Isaac on the altar. And he's ready to just call, serve, serve God in the hardest way possible. And of course, you know, God sends a ram in the thicket. As for you and me, he sends the lamb who was slain. Jesus. Jesus. It's precious. When we have that uh, ability, that God-given ability, the strength. You think Abraham had the strength to do all of that? I don't think so. Abraham would have done that in the strength that God supplied. Because he knew and he had a reason to serve. Keep reading in our verse. It says, whoever serves is the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So we see the call to serve, the strength to serve. Lastly, the reason to serve. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. When you read that last sentence, to Him belong glory. Do you believe that belongs to Him? That glory and adoration and praise and value and, and worth singing, so worship, that that belongs to Him? That glory belongs to Him? If you believe that, then it says just goes backwards and you will serve with the strength that God supplies in order that in everything 
God might be glorified. He might be glorified, it's wonderful, this passage, through Jesus. Well, how's he going to be glorified through Jesus right today? Yes, through the salvation of sinners, but also through you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so then we are called to say, yes, I believe that glory belongs to God. That all praise and adoration belongs to Him. So then, I will serve. That's the, the uh, motivation. As um, uh, Walter Mill said, he said, Because I received my life from Him, and all my strength from Him, so I willingly and joyfully offer it up for His glory. I praise God for His strength that He's given me, and I give it back to Him. We serve for His glory alone. So it's interesting because how you serve determines who you serve. How you serve determines who you serve. If you serve with bitterness, you say, yeah, I'm serving God, and I kind of have to be here, it's out of duty and obligation. Who are you serving in that moment? Your own pity. You're not serving the glory of God. You might be doing stuff with your hands or doing stuff with your feet, but your service is not bringing honor out of your heart and worship out of your heart to the God who's called you to serve. So how you serve determines who you serve. Are you serving yourself? Or are you serving the living God? Because he calls us to, to let light shine out of us so that people might glorify the Father. So good do, thing, do good things so that people would not see you, but they would see the God who has given you the strength to do it. But that's the amazing thing. If you just serve in your own strength, if you only serve to where you're comfortable or where you have the ability or the capacity, if you only serve that far, then guess who can get the glory? You. Because you didn't need God. You can do a whole lot of things without God and it might look like a, a Christian-y thing to do. But if you're not serving beyond your ability, there's going to be no way to prove that it is God's strength in you. Supplying you. That's why last week when we talked about uh, giving, Paul was, uh, was praising the Macedonian church who were giving beyond their ability financially. It, it showed that they were just giving absolutely by, by God alone. Like, they could not have done that. In the same way, we serve with our hands and with our feet, with our eyes, with our ears, with our voice and with our intellect. So beyond your ability, you know your abilities, and that's often where you want to stop. You don't even want to get close to using up your abilities, because that's normally hard. But God's calling us to serve beyond that by, by His strength, not your own. That's why I love the Apostle Paul when he's got this thorn in his flesh, he's got some ailment that is, that is making his life hard. And so he asks God, take it away. Take it away, take it away, three times. And God says, no. God said, no. Because my grace is sufficient for you. You don't need that ailment, that, that hardship out of your life in order to serve me. You don't need that. You don't need more strength, Paul. Because Paul even said this thing, whatever it might have been, was to keep him from being conceited. So it was hindering him in a lot of ways. And Paul thought, well, just take it away and I'll be able to serve you better. And God said, no. For in your weakness, my power is made perfect. Like when you're weak, then I can actually show myself to you as you're doing amazing things. Because then people can actually see and say, how's that possible? How's the 82-year-old man who was frail and couldn't speak yesterday now booming with a fire at his feet, standing firm and telling everyone that he's praising God? How does someone do that? It's by God alone. And it's for God alone. That's why I love it. The wording here is really important in verse 11. It says, 
So by the strength that God supplies, in order that, so you need to do it by His strength, in order that Jesus Christ might be glorified. If you do it by any other strength, He's not going to be glorified. If you're doing it by your own strength, you're going to be glorified. And so we serve in hard ways by His strength, so that He might be lifted up. So we might value Him above our own abilities, or our own weaknesses, or our own challenges. We say, I value you beyond my comfort. I think you are worth it. This is going to be beyond hard, but you're worth it. That's what makes serving worship. Is you are valuing God. You are lifting up God. Worship is ascribing worth to God. You are worth it. You're worth it all. That's why I love, and I, think, I would encourage you all to read missionary, bi- missionary biographies again and again and again. Because they believed it, and you saw it with their lives. It would encourage us to do the same. Our life is to be a life of worship. We are uh, called to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, as the Westminster Catechism says. So we are to worship, ascribe Him worth, give Him value, say, you are my greatest treasure, and you should be the greatest treasure of that person and that person too. Because you're the only thing that satisfies. We, you know, we talk often about that as like, isn't... Some people would say, isn't it selfish for God to say, I need to be the most famous person in the world? Isn't that self-conceited or self-obsessed? Isn't that wrong? And aren't we not supposed to do that? But it is the best thing for God to be the most famous in the world because God's the only thing that satisfies. So it's good that he's glorified and famous and we're to make him known because he's the only thing that satisfies. Every other thing lets us down. God satisfies us through Jesus. And so we ought to make him known and lift him up and elevate him as the, the highest treasure that anything can ever imagine. So how do we do that? Well, we talked a few weeks ago through our prayer. Our prayer, as we express trust in God, is worship. So I can't do this. God, I trust you. I'm valuing you above me. We talked also about uh, giving our attention to God so that preaching could be worship. So we can, I, I trust you, God, that that I value hearing from you. I value your teaching in my life. I value your word. We talked about giving God your resources in, in giving as worship. We talked about giving God our everything today and serving as worship. Everything. Take my life and let it be consecratable for thee. And then it goes through. Take these hands. Take these feet. What do you have to offer God? I love Romans chapter 6 because it talks about the transformation of a person prior to Jesus and after Jesus. Prior to Jesus, you use the members, it talks about members, you use the members of your body to serve sin. Your hands and your eyes and your ears and your mouth, you use them to serve sin. But then it talks about this beautiful transformation. You're now a new creation, so use those very same things to serve God. It talks in the language of slavery. You were a slave to sin, but now you're a slave, a servant of the Most High God. I would rather be an abused servant of God than a free servant of self. But it's not so. God does not abuse His children. He loves us. And He gives us so many great opportunities to, to flourish and grow. Even in this life, the, the things that we don't need, God gives us. Thank, I mean, we thank Him for it. But are you using the members of your body to, to serve him? And, and how can you do that better? Think daily on a, on a regular basis as you think, okay, well, I still have eyes to see. How do I use them for him? How am I using them to serve God? 
Am I seeing the poor and the needy and then responding? Am I hearing broken hearts and, and telling them the goodness of the gospel of Jesus that he can mend their lives through forgiveness? Am I walking places that are maybe hard to go in and uncomfortable for me so that I might serve him because I say, that's more valuable than my comfort? How am I using the members of my body, the parts of my body, to serve him and say, God, you're worth it and not me? All of ourselves should be used to serve God. The ways we are told to worship God is to pray without ceasing, to listen attentively, to give cheerfully, and then to serve with gladness. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Because how you serve determines who you serve. And we know, Jesus told us we cannot serve two masters. We often think of money. But there's many other things that we are prone to serve. That's not God. So let us then be people who would echo Walter Mill who said, I praise God who has called me by his mercy, to seal the truth of my life, which as I received it from him, so I willingly and joyfully offer it up for his glory. Let's pray that we be that people. God, you are perfect in all of your ways. There is none like you, O God. Your mercy is unending towards so great a sinners as us. How often and in so many ways do we suppress the truth? How many ways do we just walk in utter trespass to you? You've, you've laid out lines where, whereby we might live a life that is um, glorifying to you. And we, we cross over that all the time. So God, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus. That he has come to stand on our behalf. And all the sin that we have um, accumulated in our life and will continue to accumulate that we're storing up wrath for ourselves. We're so thankful for our Savior who has stood in our place and has had all of that wrath absorbed. God, thank you for that. We want to live a life that praises you for that. God, you've, you've called us to something greater. You've called us to not live for ourselves but to serve the living God. We need your help and your strength, and we are so glad you supply it. And we pray that you would show us even more as we take steps of faith, that you would, you would help us to take those steps of faith that goes maybe beyond our comfort, beyond our means, beyond our abilities, so that you might be elevated, so that you might be glorified, because to you belongs glory for now and forevermore. God, we want to be those people who live and, and die serving so that you would be glorified and lifted up. God, help us to serve as worship. We pray in Jesus' name.